This episode is brought to you by Hostfully. Using Hostfully, you can create a free digital guidebook for your listing so that you can save time creating a professional experience for every guest that comes and visits your spot. Learn more at hostfully.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. What's up, everybody? Another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. And today I'm welcoming Sean Laidlaw from British Columbia in Canada to the show. He has found a really cute place in Mexico where he's bought a duplex and he's renting out half of the duplex full-time and the other half he lives in six months out of the year. So it sounds very uh, much like kind of what I've done with my place in Colombia. So I was really interested to hear his story. So Sean, welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? Glad to be here. I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Um, I'd love to hear how, how did you end up in Mexico? Yeah, it's a pretty common question. And uh, the short answer I give a lot of people is that it kind of just happened. But I lived in Victoria, BC for a few years and I owned a property there. I owned actually technically two properties. One was a three bedroom suite and one was a one bedroom unit that was below it. And they existed in a five unit sort of strata complex. So I had a bit of experience with Airbnb there and then sold the places in a, in a rather hot market while going through some changes in my life. And yeah, I was kind of sitting on some money I had made from that and had no real plan or intention quite yet. But I came to a little place here in Baja California, Sur called Los Cerritos, uh, where a friend actually owned a property already. I came here to do a little bit of a retreat while working on my master's degree and my thesis. And I ended up house sitting here for a friend and taking care of their dogs. And turned out that friend sells real estate and was involved in the project where I now live. And I realized I was sitting on that money. So one thing led to another and it just kind of happened. It wasn't something I set out to do, which is sometimes maybe the opposite of people. But yeah, I just kind of was in that time in my life where I was open to whatever life brought my way. Awesome, man. I had a look at it. It looks like a pretty uh, cool little town. Uh, just, uh, what is it, an hour north of Cabo San Lucas? Yeah, it's about 40 to 60 minutes from Cabo San Lucas. Awesome, man. That, uh, that It looks really good. When you bought the place, what does the buying process looks like in, in Mexico? I'm sure there's people listening who've you know, maybe entertained the idea of buying something in Mexico. Um, what, what does the buying process look like there? Yeah, so I fell into this friendship with a guy who I trusted a lot and he was a professional in this and, and involved in this place. And one thing kind of just led to another, like I said, but I learned as I went and the basics of it are as a foreigner, my understanding, I should say anyway, is that as a foreigner, you can't own outright uh, property within 50 kilometers of the coastline anywhere in Mexico. So what I think exists throughout the world in some places and here is 
here they call it a fide commissio or commiso, I believe. And it's essentially a trust, a third party trust in which the property sits and you're the direct beneficiary of that. I believe it used to be, it could be individuals as well as corporations. Now it can only be businesses. So it tends to be large banks. So technically I own the property through them, but not, nothing can happen to it without my permission being the, the only beneficiary of the property. So yeah, I kind of found a place that I would refer to, for lack of a better word, as a bit of a gringo development, a place where a lot of foreigners were buying in this one development. And it fit sort of a lot of my goals and both for lifestyle and the investment. And because I currently still work in Canada, one of the big highlights here was being in a sort of vacation development. There's staff on site that can do the cleaning and reception and and I'm pretty close to my neighbors. I think for some people might be considering buying or building a larger home on land that sits on its own. And that's also great and perhaps even a little bit more affordable per square foot. But it brings a whole new set of challenges with security and being present and and finding people to take care of your property if you're not around. Would you mind sharing some some numbers about like how much it costs because I, you know, in the, in the U S and Canada, like property, especially <clears throat> beach is pretty expensive. Um, but yeah, it's a lot cheaper there down there in Mexico. Yeah. So the piece of land that my property sits on is only 10 meters by 12 meters. And there's two small studio suites on that. The piece of land was 20,000 us dollars. The construction I did in 2016 was about 50,000 more and I've just completed some more construction to add another level on top of those two units one larger unit up there and that has now cost me about the same another $50,000 prices have gone up in the last few years I've noticed not only the land prices but construction prices I think that's due to an increase in gas prices so yeah I'm kind of looking at about 125,000 US at this point. And then you have three units in total. I do now, yeah. So I've kind of fit a lot into a small space, but it works. Um, the two small bachelor suites, I would describe them with a bedroom. They each have a bedroom and a washroom inside, and then outside is an open air kitchen. So there's two of those, and I've just recently added a unit up top that's pretty much the same size as those two combined. So it's about a 700 square feet total. It's a one bedroom suite. And on top of it now is a big flat azotea or roof that I can hang out on as well. So it's built up a little bit more than built out. And you, you mentioned the, this uh, construction. Uh, it sounds like it's kind of similar as a leasehold construction what they what they tend to use in uh, in Asian countries um, yeah that sounds familiar yeah does it does it have like a, a term yeah I believe it's 99 years I'm not an expert on this stuff and I maybe should know more than I do on some of the details but I believe it's 99 years I probably will become a permanent resident and perhaps also a Mexican citizen one day so at that point I can own it outright so I don't have too much concern around the, the ownership situation, but I've never heard um, 
I haven't heard many stories yet of people having problems with with that setup. Got it. And are there any differences between like renting out on Airbnb in Mexico versus when you were doing it in Canada? Are there any differences in terms of like what you need to think about or any concerns? You know, I only actually rented my place in Canada a few times. So I didn't have a ton of experience before here. I've traveled with Airbnb a fair amount. So I've got some experience that way. From what I've gathered, Airbnb is collecting all of the sales tax and necessary regional taxes here from people. And otherwise, I just list it. I, I try to focus, obviously, on sort of vacationers uh, rather than, you know, work client or like, you know, business clients or people that might be traveling for other reasons. But, but no, I can't really think of anything too special to consider. And did you have, have you had any challenges with the construction of your home, but also with renting out on Airbnb? No, things went pretty smoothly for me. You hear stories of people doing construction projects that are a headache. I think because my unit was, my land existed within this existing development and the, and the builders were already in place. It just kind of just happened, like I said, so it wasn't too bad and the builders are really good. Things go a little slowly or it's hard to, there's a little bit of a mindset difference between the North American culture, I think, and here. Um, it's hard to, you can't expect to over-coordinate things or always have everything line up weeks and weeks ahead of time. But for the most part, it's been pretty smooth and, and easy, actually. And so you're renting it out, uh, six months out of the year, you're renting out uh, both of those units. Like, How do you manage it when you're back in Canada? That's correct, but it actually work a schedule of three weeks on, three weeks off. So I'm not actually away for six months at a time. Because I chose to buy in this in this development rather than a piece of land on its own, there's a reception desk here. There's cleaning staff associated with that. And so there's actually an online booking portal that I use because guests can actually book through that as well. I just don't receive many bookings through there. It's mostly through Airbnb. So when I receive a booking on Airbnb, I'll put it into the central reservations portal so that the staff knows what to expect and they manage that. And when I'm away, you know, there's an option in that portal to decide whether I want to clean it myself or whether I want them to clean it. And so if I'm away and I can't do it, I'll set it to have them clean it. They'll charge me and check in the guest and mostly it goes pretty smoothly, actually. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a pretty good setup then. Yeah, the costs associated with some of that are a little bit higher than I, I think they should be, but I can't complain about the convenience. Hosts are always asking, how can I make my place stand out when there's a ton of competition nearby? The answer is service level. When your guests can tell that you've invested in making sure their experience is great, they're more likely to give you a better review and rating. This is how you can differentiate yourself. One way that you can show how much you care is with a Hostfully digital guidebook. Include all the important details that make your property and location unique. Make your place stand out with high-quality service. To try our platform, visit Hostfully.com. The first guidebook is free, and if you like it, you can always upgrade for more features. Let's talk about the profitability. What, what kind of prices can you charge there? So again, my units are pretty small, but I'm, I'm charging between about $60 and $80 each unit, each of the two small ones per night which is sort of in the 40 to 50, 55 American range. 
Christmas time and throughout December and those few weeks are busy for everybody. You can barely find a place around here. And then the winter in general tends to be the busier season. Yeah, so come summertime, I reduce my listing to maybe $55, $60 per night each. And I offer pretty deep discounts for monthly stays and, and even weekly stays. Do you get a lot of monthly stays? Not a ton, but this year coming up, I have somebody checking in on January 1st or something for like 63 days. And then some other people checking in on the other side a few days later for 40 days or something. So they're actually paying about $45 or $50 Canadian per night for each of those side, each unit because of the monthly discount. And I even offered them a little bit of an extra discount because they booked for so long. And, and because, especially when I'm away, the costs of cleaning are fairly high. So if I have a lot of short stays, the ratio is a little different than if I have a lot of longer stays. So the incentive is there for me to just have it full, even at a lower rate and not have turnover, the costs and the, the work associated with that. And so you see a pretty, pretty good occupancy on, on both of your <clears throat> units? Yeah, I have about a 30 to 40% occupancy through the year on each of them, which is about what I'd expected and planned for when I chose to invest here. During the winter season, it's like I'm starting to rent again. I've had the place not listed for a few months because of the construction going on, but I'm starting again in a couple of weeks. And it's booked almost solid until March or so. And then the summertime tends to be a little quieter. Even then, there's it's a pretty popular place and it's becoming more popular, I think. So even in summer, there's tends to be more and more people. But I kind of expect and plan around about a, a 30% rate. And that's because you want to you wanna use the units yourself for part of the year? Or? No, it's just kind of like there's not a steady stream of tourists through the summer, especially. So like occupancy might be only 10 or 15% in the summer months where it's like 80 or 90 during the winter months. So through the year, it's kind of in that 30 to 40 range. Okay. Got it. And if you, uh, do you have any advice for people who are listening and, and thinking to potentially doing something in Mexico? Uh, I don't want to cliche or anything but i guess just do it you know like i was in a unique situation when i made my decisions here and sometimes life throws you curveballs and i was going through a like a breakup at the time and it just kind of when you're in that headspace i think you're willing to take some leaps that maybe you're not willing when you have more to lose so to speak and i've even since then feel the way that routine and and other things can creep in and make you comfortable again and it makes it harder to take that leap and take risks so i think that might be what holds a lot of people back but i i love mexico it's really cool like i really i haven't traveled a lot throughout mexico otherwise but i know people from all over mexico and i've learned a fair amount about the country and the people are amazing culture is deep and rich and there's i'm here for surfing mostly and there's tons of waves and beautiful spots to go and yeah really i don't really have any reason to recommend that anybody be too reserved about making that decision is there any kite surfing there there is actually just on i live on the pacific side of the baja peninsula baja california peninsula but on 
about two hours or so away, there's a place called La Ventana, which means the window in Spanish. And it's a world famous kite spot from what I understand. I've not yet to try it all out, but I know people who go there pretty often. Okay, it sounds like I should come down sometime then. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And uh, are you planning to expand? You're building your third uh, unit on, on top now. Once you're done with that, are you planning to expand beyond what you have now? Not really. The The property I own will be sort of maxed out. There's not much more I can do to expand it. Sometimes being in a strata is challenging. And so when I sometimes get frustrated with the strata, I've had thoughts of buying another property that stands on its own and slowly building something there perhaps while renting these for more income. But that requires more cash. And, and my original plan here was to build something that I can pay cash for and then effectively live off of the rental income. Because I chose to expand my place and because things take sometimes a little longer than we expect them to, it's taken me a little bit longer to get there than I planned. But I'm trying to meet this balance between you know, lifestyle and investing and simplicity and complexity. And, and so I think my current goal is to just kind of make sure that I'm financially sound. And then in, in about a year or two, I'll be able to be here full time and, and live off of the rental income mostly. It'll be a simple lifestyle. But the whole idea was to create a lot of space in my life to explore other things and new things. And I think some of those things themselves could lead to income as well. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm going for here. I don't have big plans of making an Airbnb empire, although sometimes it's tempting. But I've learned in my past life that sometimes things get more complicated than we expected them to. And that can have its own impacts on our lives. Keep it lean. Keep it simple. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what I'm going for. It's a challenge, though. It's an ongoing thing, especially in the Western civilization, to limit ourselves to what we should. Yeah, man. No, I, I I like the style. Uh, I had a similar thought, you know, buying my my places in Colombia and the Philippines and Thailand. I was thinking, if everything else fails, whatever I do, then I can live in one of those places, rent out the other two, and then at least, you know, I'll have a yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I refer to it as uh, my, my own basic minimum income experiment. And that's actually an economic policy and concept I believe a lot in moving forward for people, but I'm just trying to make it happen for myself. I'll always have enough to buy rice and beans and a place to stay. And that's kind of what I'm going for. And do some surfing. Exactly. Yep. What else do you need? Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, man. Um, anything else you want to share with the audience before I let you go? No, nothing really comes to mind. I just just get out there and live life and keep the planet in mind while you're doing it. Don't do things for the sake of doing it. Take your space and make it yours. But some people seem to want to build an empire for the sake of it sometimes. And I would just advise them to think twice. Awesome. Great advice. Um, where can people find you? Because I know you have a you wrote a blog post about your adventure. So yeah, want to learn a little bit more about what you've done. Um, where can they where can they read it? Right. So when I speak about creating space in my life to explore other things, it's it's creative things like photography and writing and and whatnot. So there's a few places you can 
Go to freedom33.com. That's all letters, no numbers. That's a blog about my journey to personal and financial freedom and, and some of my ramblings about my observations on the world. I have a site, seanlaidlawmedia.com, where my photography is featured. And you can also find me on Instagram at seanlaidlawmedia. Awesome. And of course, I'll put all the links in the show notes for the people that want to learn more about what you're doing. So thanks a lot for coming on the show. Definitely really cool what you've, uh, what you've done. And I'm kind of surprised that it sounds like it was pretty smooth sailing, which is not exactly what I expected. <laughs> but yeah. uh, hey, you know, that's great. Yeah, it was just the way it went. And like I said, I didn't set out to do it. So it was just being open to what life threw at you and and making the most of that opportunity. Sweet, man. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show and to the listeners. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.